0: He's big and strong,
1: he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to The Crash
2: Program.
1: Crash Barry here. Today on the show, we have another episode of Disinfomaniacs where we look at the recent coup d'etat that went down in the main GOP committee with Christian nationalists now in charge of the party's direction. The Crash program remains ad-free thanks to support from listeners like you. Visit CrashBerry.com for details on how to support our work. Now, on with the show. Disinfomaniacs is a podcast about the liars, the grifters, and the fascist charlatans intent on destroying democracy. We will be reporting on how their propaganda trickles down to negatively impact local communities. We are here to expose, debunk, and pre-bunk the disinfomaniacs. Welcome to Episode 2 of Disinfomaniacs, This is Crash Barry. I'm joined by my colleagues, internet dude and free speech advocate Nathan Bernard. How's it going? And historian, political analyst, and chud hunter, Andy O'Brien. What's going on? Today, we're going to be discussing last week's election of a new leadership committee at the main Republican Party. Now, normally, I think this sort of meeting would probably be very boring. However... This year, the status quo went out the door and the incumbent chair faced three, I guess you could say, firebrand or insurgent challengers from within the rank and file. Andy O'Brien, first of all, tell us a little bit about the incumbent and why she faced multiple challengers. Uh, Demi
0: Kazunis is a dentist from Saco who was first elected chair of the main Republican party in 2017. Uh, And She's always struggled to keep a balance between the mainstream Republicans and the hardcore right-wingers in the party. Uh, She has often come under fire from the far-right nationalists uh, for being part of the swamp, but it's kind of more style than substance. She's just as right-wing as the rest of them, really. Former Maine GOP vice chair Nick Isgro, who is pretty hardcore Christian nationalist, said she worked against him, particularly in his attempts to have the state party intervene in an internal struggle among the Maine College Republicans to support the really kind of white nationalist wings claim to leadership. But this past election, Governor Mills trounced former Governor Paula Page by 13 points, uh, and Republicans failed to win either congressional seat or either house of the state legislature. Uh, Republican turnout was quite weak across the state. GOP activists were livid that Kazunas uh, blamed GOP losses on national trends beyond the party's control. So there was a feeling that the party had become too top-down, and only focused on candidates at the top of the ticket rather than helping elect new blood. Uh, former Governor Paula Page uh, strongly supported Kazunas and made a lot of calls for her. And, you know, he pretty much controlled the main GOP since he became governor in 2011. But now that he's a loser, uh, they were ready to move on.
1: Okay. Well, to set the stage just a little bit more, we're going to find out exactly what happened at this meeting from a person who was there. It's the brand new vice chair of the GOP. You are about to hear the voice of Sam Bridges, an 18-year-old, that's right, 18-year-old college freshman from the town of Guilford, nestled on the banks of the Piscaticus River, population 1,200, about an hour north of Bangor. This is Sam Bridges telling us what happened. So
3: many of these meetings... Uh, Many people such as myself would find entertaining and exciting, but to be 100% honest, they're quite often procedural, and that's it. Uh, Not not too exciting. Uh, A week ago Saturday, though, was revolutionary. You know, I had people that were talking to me, and they said they hadn't seen meetings like that since 2012. Uh, Realistically speaking, it should have been a guaranteed vote for Demi to win re-election as our chair, and Shane for vice chair. But there was a lot of, I guess you could say, unrest in party leadership. Uh, let's see, you had Guy Labeda, Heidi Sampson, Joel Steckis, and Demi all running for the position of chair. And as time went on, what should have been maybe a 10-minute process turned into a over- close to an hour. I I could be wrong in my time frame, but there was a bunch of logistics on the rules on whether or not Heidi could actually run for the position. So given everything that happened there, all of a sudden she got up, gave a passionate speech where we all thought she was going to still fight for the position. No, she decided to say, hey, if you were going to support me, not going to tear the Republican Party apart, give your votes to Joel Steckis. After that, Guy Labita gets up and basically gives a more lighthearted version of that speech and pledges his support to Joel Stackis as well. So Joel and Demi, it comes down to a head a uh, head to head race between those two individuals. Two great candidates. Joel wins with a landslide. None of us expected that. It was there was a lot of I guess you could say healthy tension in the room. It felt like fair competition rather than. um infighting and hatred that's it's it's a really easy way to put put it so that that was actually it was it was a really fun meeting to be at
1: a really fun meeting to be at we're going to be returning to sam bridges i will hear a lot more from him but andy first let's talk about joel stykus a 56 year old building contractor from canaan who to quote vice chair bridges won by a landslide I know you've been watching Steikis for, I don't know, maybe 10 years. So could you give us a snapshot of the new chairman of the main GOP?
0: Yeah, I've been following Joel Stetkis for quite a while. Uh, He became really involved in Republican politics during the whole... Tea Party hubbub in 2010 and was a strong LePage supporter in the Republican primaries. Uh, he was elected to the legislature in 2014 in Somerset County, which is one of the reddest parts of the state. Uh, he rose through the ranks to become assistant House Republican leader uh, and led efforts to slash the minimum wage to a measly 10 50 an hour uh, for adults and 8 40 for workers under 18. How much did he want to slash it to? Ten fifty an hour for adults, and eight dollars and forty cents for workers under eighteen.
1: Oof. Wow, they're really in touch, aren't they? They're in touch with the modern American worker.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they they love to also just sort of you know, mess with child labor laws and, and and try to get them paid as low as they can to compete, to, to try to drive down the wages. I mean, that's that's kind of their bread and butter issue. Uh, he was also a big supporter of keeping Indian mascots for school sports teams. Uh, and it, it, he personally insulted the Penobscot tribal ambassador during that fight. Um, he's, he's one of those people who defended Capitol Police Chief Gavin, After Nathan exposed that he was uh, sharing uh, election fraud
1: conspiracies. Oh, yes. That's a scoop by our colleague, Nathan Bernard. I totally forgot about that. Yes. Massive scoop. Massive scoop. Shook up the state. To interrupt Andy for one second here,
4: Nathan, tell us about that again. I would have to go back and read exactly what the guy said. I just remember it was like wearing masks makes you docile, susceptible to authoritarian control, just all against the vaccine mandates Uh, they were because they were burning all the the masks on the front lawn of the state capitol, and none of the capitol police did anything when the anti vaxxers were doing that. So, right.
0: Right. It's just a mess. But I would have to go back and read.
1: No, it. don't worry about it. That's, that, we'll, we'll just keep going here. Andy, why don't you return to that? So
0: Stetkis was all upset about that and he stood behind the chief. But then he went ahead and sponsored a motion to remove Representative Charlotte Warren from her committee assignments for jokingly writing on her private Facebook that straight white men are too emotional to be in politics. <laughs> he He called her remarks highly offensive to cops, firemen, soldiers, plumbers, fishermen, factory workers, you know, because we all know only white men do those jobs, right? Uh, he, he, But even his Republican colleagues wouldn't support him on that. And uh, actually, House Republican leader Kathleen Dillingham kind of led the charge to uh, kill it on free speech grounds.
1: It's crazy some of the battles these guys choose, right? That whole Charlotte Warren thing just shows you how easily triggered these chuds are <laughs> All right, what about some more of his, uh, uh, let's call him radical stances? Uh, what's the new chair of the main GOP? What did he say about January 6th?
0: He thinks Antifa did January 6th. Uh, he once posted on Facebook that you know, it's likely the people responsible for the violence were Antifa anarchists, not the ninety nine point nine percent of the freedom loving folks. Actually, on the one year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection, Stetkis voted against a resolution honoring police who were protecting the Capitol from Antifa. Um, so, you know, he's just a, a bundle of grievances. Um and half the stuff he does is just posturing and not actually meaningful in the legislature
1: and disinformation i mean he's spreading disinformation there What about with COVID vaccinations? What was he doing with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, he was a speaker at conspiracy rallies, like the one where Representative Heidi Sampson, who was his opponent uh, in in the GOP chair race. Uh, She claimed that Governor Mills was the reincarnation of Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele, He'll post what he calls PSAs about people who he knows who have developed serious medical conditions like loss of eyesight, and he'll blame that on the COVID vaccine and tell people to stay clear of this madness. Uh, Just incredibly irresponsible and dumb. I mean, there's been a number of Republicans in the past couple of years who have died of COVID and refused to get the vaccine, Uh, but they never
1: learn. What's his uh, stance on gay lesbian and trans issues?
0: I mean, he has a very cozy relationship with the far-right uh, Christian Civic League, um, and and he and his wife are supporters of them, you know, uh, and he tried to kill legislation banning gay conversion therapy, which is, you know, a form of psychological abuse used against LGBTQ uh, kids uh, by far-right Christians.
1: One thing I did notice, and, and it seems like when we're talking about this um, wing of the conservative Christian GOP, but religion keeps on coming up. And I did notice the new state rep from Winterport, uh, she's a young woman named Reagan Paul, named after Ronald Reagan, and she just won her seat by about 300 votes. Uh, as we're finding out, many in the GOP identify as evangelical Christians, and uh, I know uh, the new GOP Chair identifies as a born-again Christian, and end-timers. They're all from end-times churches. So anyways, Reagan Paul, she's a devout Christian. She has a degree from Jerry Falwell's Liberty University. One of her jobs is she's the coach of a Christian high school's girls basketball team. Anyways, her response to the victory was, and I'm quoting here, that Joel is, quote, the watchman we have been waiting for and someone to stand in the gap. He is the watchman we have been waiting for and someone to stand in the gap. It sounds pretty harmless, right? I mean, it, it doesn't sound like any like dog whistle or anything, but except for these hardcore Christians, these are code words, though, okay? In this case, both are references to the prophet Ezekiel. I don't know how much you guys know about Ezekiel, but he was one of the many hallucinating dudes, probably from mushrooms, prophet in the Old Testament, and the watchman quote from Ezekiel, he's speaking as God, like he's tripping and he's speaking as God and he's channeling this vengeful God. And he says, when I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people and the people better listen. So he's like a a savior of the people. So she's saying he's a savior and that he's, quote, standing in the gap. Well, for those of us that read the Bible know that's Ezekiel 22, verse 30. This guy's tripping. Ezekiel's tripping, and again, he's talking like he's God and talking about that uh, there's going to be a judgment on Jerusalem, and he's going to destroy Jerusalem. But, quote, and this is the actual quote, I looked for anyone to repair the wall and stand in the gap for me on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it but I couldn't find anyone. So God couldn't find anyone to defend Jerusalem, so he demolished it. So in other words, these evangelical Republicans in Maine think that Stichus is going to be able to like, prevent God from destroying Maine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, luckily, God's on our side now. fellows. thoughts about this kind of religious uh a babble connected to our modern politics.
0: On one level, it's just totally ridiculous and seemingly sacrilegious. On another, it's really bone chilling. I would guess the majority of the Republicans in the Maine legislature are just hardcore end times Christians. Um, and they're very overrepresented because Maine is one of the least religious
1: states. Maine is the least religious state in the nation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, a typical Republican voter is not voting for, you know, a savior, uh the watchman, uh, you know, to 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 come and save Maine and and I don't know, uh, bring about the end times or whatever. They're-
1: That's what it is. They all want the end times to come. And and you look at it, even how they feel about Israel and stuff. It's like they love Israel because but resettlement of Israel means we're one step closer to the end times. Um, which is crazy because they're also guided to uh vote legislatively towards the end times. Like if it's a if it's a if it's let's say a climate change thing, right? If we look at these real hardcore Christians, a climate change thing, well they're gonna vote against it because they want the they want hellfires eternal, right? They want the end times. So it's really it's not like it's just their morality is influencing their legislative uh, careers. It's it's motivating them to do things to rush the end times, because when the end times comes, uh, the good Christians get sucked up into heaven, okay? They're raptured, and believe it or not, fellas, at this point, if you look literally at it, those Christians that are raptured end up marrying Jesus. They become the bride of Christ, including all these... Uh, Male Christians. Okay. So if you believe in this stuff, and I'm being very literal here because they are literalists. Yeah. Joel Stykus, when the rapture comes, will go up to heaven and he will become the bride of Christ. And yet the guy's <laughs> against gay marriage. Okay. So like he's willing to marry Christ, but he's against gay marriage. It just reminds me of what a Republican
0: friend told me who is heavily involved in local Republican Party politics. There was a legislator running for I think state senate up in Piscataquis County. And he was putting like Bible verses on his on his uh literature, his campaign literature. And my friend was like, dude, don't do that. And he's like, What? You know, oh, we're we're godly people. And he's like, No, because the average redneck who votes up there is gonna think you're gonna take away his porn. And I don't think a lot of people really realize when they're voting for these people that they're just nuts religious zealots.
1: And, and you know, we have an overlap here. If we look at the uh Venn diagram of the Republican right wing right now, uh we have the religious zealots and they're mingling with the QAnonsters and they're all with the anti-vaxxers and they're all with the uh you know uh, anti-abortion people. Nathan, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about. State Representative Heidi Sampson, who threw all her votes over to Joel, as we learned uh, from the vice chair, telling us that Sampson just gave her votes to Stykus and then he won. So Heidi Sampson, State Rep. Heidi Sampson, I know you've reported on her. Uh, what can you tell us about her?
4: First time I ran into her was around July 2021, uh, when several prominent anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists hosted Sampson uh, at a Belfast rally. And that was Christiane Northrup, who's from Yarmouth, uh, Kevin Jenkins. Uh, Both of them were named two of the 12 most influential spreaders of vaccine misinformation on social media. Uh, So they were huge promoters of the vaccine conspiracies. And Samson was kind of their champion in Maine. Uh, The event that happened in Belfast, I mean, when Samson went to that is far right event. Uh, And this was the same time when COVID cases were just surging across the country. I mean, in Maine, there was something like a 170 percent increase in cases over the two weeks uh, before the rally was happening, uh, which brought the total in the state at the time, the case count up to 70,000. So this was like the peak of the COVID pandemic.
1: Lots, lots, lots of people in intensive care. A real strain on the healthcare system in Maine. It was as bad as it gets. And uh, not only were there anti
4: vaccine conspiracy theorists like Christian Northrup or this guy Kevin Jenkins, there were Holocaust deniers, uh, anti Semites like Robert David Steele, who since has died uh, after this Belfast rally. Uh, and before Samson even attended this rally, the best Beth Israel of Bangor had released a statement. Condemning Samson's involvement in the rally, uh, condemning Robert David Steele. This is Beth Israel, of Bangor, it says Robert David Steele has repeatedly expressed anti-Semitic views and praise for Holocaust denial in the past. And on his blog, which we will not link to, uh, Zionists are accused of perpetrating the COVID hoax. So again, it's just all wrapped up. You talk about Venn diagram, it's all wrapped up in anti-Semitism, science denial, and Samson's all in on that stuff. Um I mean, even not at this rally, but I remember because I attended the rally to cover uh, this rally in Belfast. uh, Samson was handing out pamphlets for a forensic audit of Maine's 2020 election results. So
1: it's again, it's
4: (laughs) it's all kind of wrapped together. It's the election denialism, the anti-Semitism, Holocaust denial, anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists all kind of jammed into this really sweaty, hot kind of um you know, town hall place in Belfast. Uh, So yeah, it was, it was not a good scene to say the least.
1: Um, You make it sound so comfortable there. Uh, I know that you were sent to several of those. We forced you to go to those, guilted you, I think, into going to a couple of them. Andy, if I recall right, didn't the guy that died, what's his name? You just mentioned him. Steele Is that his name? Robert David Steele. Yeah. Didn't he like claim that you were, did you work for Soros or something? Was that one of his last tweets? Yeah, it was like World Economic Forum. I don't know.
0: I, I have the video I could share with you, but basically he yeah, he said that Andy O'Brien is a piece of crap.
4: <laughs> and he
2: goes,
4: He put your face up on the screen. He
0: goes, We have all the receipts. Oh, that's it. Massad. Yeah,
1: you're a Massad.
0: Yeah, with Jeffrey Epstein. And, you know, if he tries to take us to court, he's done. Like he kept making all these promises and then he died two weeks later.
1: But there's another thing about that particular event that we know that uh, the cash box went missing from that event. I talked to the police chief about it. I got (laughs) to confess I didn't do my due diligence and follow up on it. But at the time it was under investigation (laughs) because they passed the hat. They had all the money in the cash box and then the cash box disappeared. So who knows who stole that? Yikes. (laughs) Yikes.
4: <laughs> so that all happened in Belfast. She holds this. She participates in this huge uh, vaccine conspiracy, Holocaust denial, election denial event in Belfast a month later. And Andy had kind of noted this before, but this was her big make national news for being an anti-vaxxer uh, event. Uh, she puts together an event. August 2021 at the Augusta State Capitol building with several other GOP lawmakers, Joel Stetkis included, um, who now is the head of the main GOP. Um, and this was to protest at the time. Uh, Governor Janet Mills recently announced again in August 2021 COVID-19 vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. So folks that are working in hospitals, treating people with COVID, it's probably a good idea those folks are vaccinated Um, so that when they're helping sick people, they don't give them COVID. Uh, this was just asking that healthcare providers, which already require their workers to be vaccinated against measles, hep B, other infectious diseases, the mandate at this time was going to include, uh, the COVID vaccine on that list. And this was a huge violation of individual liberties, um, it was, you know, oftentimes in her speech, it was framed as a, you know, government experiment, uh, which you know, she likened to the Tuskegee, uh, you know, syphilis study where African-Americans were duped into participating in a biomedical study by U.S. government under the false pretense they had received health care and treatment. Um, and in that case, after being deliberately untreated, over 100 study participants died from complications of syphilis. New laws were developed to protect human biomedical research participants because of that atrocity. And uh, to Heidi Sampson, the same thing was happening with the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, during her speech at that event, Sampson said that Mills' mandate was a government ploy to illegally test this experimental COVID vaccine on unwitting citizens. She described Mills as... And this is what Andy had noted. She said Mills was the reincarnation of Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele, who performed deadly medical experiments on Jewish people in concentration camps during the Holocaust. Her exact quote uh, that started hitting national news cycles because every all these people at this event were having Nuremberg trial, Nuremberg code signs.
2: Do I need to remind you of the late 1930s and into the 40s in Germany and? with Joseph Mengele. What was it? A shot! And these were crimes against humanity. And what came out of that? The Nuremberg Code. The Nuremberg trial. Informed consent is at the top. And that is punishable. Violating that is punishable by death.
4: So, without saying, Let's kill Mills. That's what they were saying. Let's do something. No shame. Yeah, no shame. And at the end of that event, they were actually, I remember I was standing next to a guy uh, who was two people away from a guy wearing Proud Boys gear. And it's one of the last speakers. uh, Everyone's riled up. They're like, all right, let's start marching. Let's go to the Augusta Capitol. Let's march. And everyone's kind of looking around because this is you know, after January six has happened, like, Oh, are we doing this? Like, we're going to have the main J six event here. And the guy next to me turned to his friend. He was like, Nope, not again. I was at January six, not doing that again. So <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was, it was a mess, but that, um, that, that kicked that kicked Samson up into, uh, you know, a uh, national news territory, uh, with all the same claims that all these folks were making, man, that, You know, mandatory vaccinations violate personal liberties when uh, there's plenty of cases in U.S. history where the state had to enforce mandatory free vaccinations uh, that benefited a vaccinated citizenry would outweigh, um, you know, individual liberties because it's a public health crisis. So the more vaccinated you are, the safer the citizenry is. There's more benefits to that than uh, your freedom or whatever. So. That uh, that was her big deal. Should I hit a little bit on the clear-cutting, denial? Yeah, I'd love
1: to learn about her relationship with her neighbors. We knew that was in the news. I'm, just to refresh our memories about her neighborly relations.
4: Yeah, she uh, frames herself in interviews leading up to this election uh, for the main GOP chair that she is this deal maker, She can build a great coalition. She's a problem solver. Uh, but actually, she's none of the above. Uh, when deemed with uh, even her neighbor, she can't have a good relationship with. Um, and for all these godly folks, love thy neighbor like you love thyself. In Samson's case, uh, she did not. Uh, state lawmaker right now, Heidi Sampson, is actually facing a lawsuit from her neighbors. Uh, her neighbors say that her and her husband cut down thousands of trees, 4,300 trees, which were on their neighbor's property. <laughs>
1: 4,300 trees, 4,300 trees, 4, that's a lot of trees. trees. <laughs> that's eight
4: acres worth of trees. They just yeah. plow. They had blamed it on the lumberjack or said that it was his fault that they just bulldozed eight acres worth of trees so that Samson could have a barn and a horse pasture uh, and
0: how long does it take to do that? He was just like bulldozing, like all those trees. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah, well, he was clear cutting. You guys know, I cut my own. I cut my own firewood, right? That's a lot of work. And so, how she blame the the lumberjack for building the barn and the pasture for her horses? I, you know, the fact that she didn't know that wasn't her land and she built all that stuff on that—that that just doesn't pass a straight face test. It really doesn't.
4: No, no. And the the neighbors, the statement they made through their attorney when they first introduced us, they're just saddened and hurt that eight acres of their beloved home forest land was illegally clear cut. And the Samsons just say, Oh we had no idea that it's that <laughs> darn lumberjack. So yeah, not good. But that's that's Heidi Sampson. Wow.
0: We should get the lumberjack on the show sometime.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you gotta yeah. interview the lumberjack. Well, she's a piece of work. Uh, What I find most interesting, though, about this alliance is uh, between Steckus and Sampson is now that United, that extreme wacky right wing of an already far right, wacky right wing is going to be running the next slate of candidates for the GOP, which to me, that's going to be another failure during the next election cycle, right? Andy, didn't Maine voters already reject this kind of extremism?
0: Yeah, I mean, they they poured a lot of money these far right groups uh, into, um, you know, trying to paint Janet Mills as a groomer and over sexualizing children and all this nonsense, and it failed miserably. People just, I mean, I I went and did a lot of campaigning, knocking on doors, and the only time that ever came up was when people were like these people are crazy. Like, what are they talking about? They're obsessed with like, like sexualizing children and pedophiles and stuff. Like they're not talking about like actual issues that are happening. Um, and you know, I, I think that basically what happened with the Republican party is when they did the, uh, their autopsies is they did two things. On on Demi's side, uh, she just said, "Well, these are national headwinds. There's nothing we could do about it." And to some degree, she's right. You know, there was the uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade, which really galvanized voters. They had lower turnout, um, which doesn't say much about the candidates that they were running in Maine. Um, and there's also the local uh, right-wing media, like the Maine Wire, and uh. Larry Lockman of the Maine First Project, their complaints were they didn't double down on uh, the anti-trans stuff and grooming stuff and all that. Um, And they think they should have gone at it harder and that Mainers would have listened. But I didn't hear anybody. I went to a lot of conservative doors, and I didn't hear that at all. Um, So I think they're just totally out of touch, and they're increasingly this kind of echo chamber where they're talking about all this stuff that nobody knows anything about, you know, they're like, oh, you know, Hunter Biden in his laptop and look at this, this child sex tape kind of looks like Hunter Biden in this picture. And if you look at this, I've got a bunch of these videos uh, on my phone and that proves he's a pedophile. So you don't want to vote for Joe Biden. Like people don't, people think that's crazy.
1: And they ignore the Catholic priests that are molesting uh, kids, and they ignore the Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts of America, right? I mean, we know who the molested we the the Southern Baptist Convention. We know the Jehovah Witness uh, congregations that we know there are these child uh, predators out there, but they're like pointing at like um, you know Tom Hanks.
0: And I think that a lot of it is really based on, I mean, you say QAnon, uh, but QAnon is also very much tied to the sort of end times religion about the antichrist and satanic cabals and spiritual warfare.
1: The fact that we hear legislative candidates talk about spiritual warfare, like it's talking about like background checks for bus drivers. Right. Like, it's like I can't believe spiritual warfare is part of our political discussion these days.
0: And so they're getting more and more radical, but they're becoming more and more out of touch. I I thought there was a guy who was a Republican organizer down in Saco who was telling me that, you know, we tried to field a lot of sort of uh, Republican, you know, sort of traditional business chamber of commerce type Republicans who weren't extreme at all, you know, from his point of view. Uh, and they got clobbered every time down in York County because they can't win there anymore. So increasingly, the Republican leadership is coming from these like out of the way places like Canaan or Somerset or, you know, uh, Piscataquis counties that are far right strongholds. And they're totally out of touch with where most of the population base is in Maine.
1: Again, the least religious state in the United States of America.
0: Yeah and there and it reminds me of where, where the democratic party was you know in the lead up and after the civil war i mean they had been in power for a long time in maine but as they allied with the you know racist pro slavery south and just became more and more racist and backwards it was sort of a niche party and they just fell further and further into the minority i just don't think people that they're kind of Christian nationalism really appeals to most people.
1: Okay, fellas, now that we've seen how the race for the number one position at the main GOP turned out, we're going to talk more about the race for number two. Again, we're going to turn to Sam Bridges for a little play-by-play. But first, I think I should give you a little more background on the new vice chair of the Maine Republican Party, with whom I had a two-hour In 40 minute Zoom call with the other day, which I will now play for you in its entirety. You ready? (laughs) No. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No? All right, you don't want two two hour, 40 minute? No. Okay. All right. I'm just kidding. Sam Bridges is 18 years old. He graduated last year from Bangor Christian High School, where he was on the track team. And he still holds the record number 10 spot in the school's record book for discus throwing. Some people might recognize Sam's alma mater, where he graduated last year, Bangor Christian, as that school that was, um, I guess you'd say, tangentially connected to the recent Supreme Court decision forcing states to pay for religious education. Okay? So needless to say, Sam comes from a very hardcore Christian background and SAM, is a very hardcore Christian young man. Um, the content in his TikTok shorts and uh, his podcast on YouTube called The Bridge are either like these mini sermons where he tries to maybe motivate the listener into being a better Christian or like these long rants about like culture and politics and religion and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll, you know, A lot of these rants seem kind of strange coming from the mouth of an 18-year-old boy, Uh, young man. I'm I'm sorry. I mean to say that a boy. He's he's a young man. He is a young man, graduated high school. He's at Eastern Maine Community College, Um, but it sounds strange coming from his mouth because he's a Jordan Peterson fanboy. Okay, he holds Kyle Rittenhouse in high esteem, and he occasionally retweets. Not a lot, and I'm not at all blaming him for anything with Andrew Tate, you know, the serial rapist dude. Uh, But he, you know, he occasionally has retweeted serial rapist Andrew Tate's tweets. Uh, He's a big fan of the Daily Wire and Prager, Prager University. But he wishes, he told me that he wishes they were more Christian conservative than just conservative. I listened to all his podcasts. uh, I listened to all his TikToks. I, I, I absorbed all his content before we had our conversation. I find it strange that he finds the need to, like, preach as, like, a preacher, like he's a Christian preacher. And during one really tedious podcast, he preaches about the sanctity of marriage and how marriage should be uh, between a man and a woman, and he explained how the Bible explains why a woman needs to be subservient to the husband. Okay, so are you guys catching, you know, what kind of Christian he is, right? He's oh yeah, very mm-hmm. hardcore evangelical.
0: Put on that right. bonnet, you know, Put yeah. on
1: the make me dinner. <laughs> on the flip side, he's definitely anti-Hitler. Okay. We go. He's not a fan of January Sixers. He doesn't think it was Antifa. He thinks it was just bad. I guess bad Trump skins, I guess. Okay. He's not big on the stop the steal movement. He's, he, he actually disses Trump a lot where he's like, he's like a, a cry Basically he's called Trump a cry baby and then he should have moved on. He's a DeSantis supporter now as we're seeing uh, a lot of shift uh, in the evangelical uh, Christian community towards DeSantis, which is good uh, for America. Uh, but They're shifting away from Trump because that's where Trump got a lot of his support. So also in favor of uh, a couple things that uh, are good about uh, Sam Bridges is that he's not a sovereign citizen <laughs> at all. Uh, he's not into QAnon. He's not a John Birch Society member. So he's got all that stuff going for him. However, he does have other issues, and we'll return to his cultural warfare uh, in a couple minutes here. We're going to get back to his, his warfare stuff. But I'm curious to hear from you guys uh, so far. What's your response to uh, what I told you about Sam Bridges?
0: Well, I mean, it, it sounds like he's a conservative Republican Christian activist. And, you know, it's important to remember that they were never totally comfortable with trump in the beginning uh in maine ted cruz actually won the primary and i went to the republican caucuses and they put me in the little uh press cage that was like you know eight feet by eight feet and wouldn't let me leave but i did talk to some uh people who were going there and 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 including some really conservative christian types i know in the community and they were just like you know talking about what their pastor said and things like that and you know, they were OK with Trump, but they were Cruz people and Cruz really catered to that evangelical vote. Um, so I think that this might be sort of like, OK, finally, we can get rid of Trump like he wasn't, he you know, <laughs> they'd always say he's not the perfect candidate, but, you know, he's doing God's work. Um, and now they can finally move on from him.
4: Yeah, I think it's just a sad state of affairs. That is, we're checking the pros and con boxes of these conservatives. Anti-Hitler is like, wow, well, he's anti-Hitler at least. Or we see that he doesn't believe the most absolutely deranged conspiracies of QAnon that you know, like at least he doesn't think Tom Hanks runs a sex cabal in the Cayman Islands or something. I mean, it's just the bar is so low for these people at this point. That we look at things like only retweeting Andrew Tate, a uh, human trafficker, an alleged serial rapist. Oh, he only retweeted him a couple of times. Well, you know, it's just, I think, the sad state of affairs uh, when that's when that's a win for a conservative these days. So I don't know how someone gets like this.
1: All right, fellas. And let me tell you something that might surprise you a little bit. I like Sam. Well, no, no, no. I'm going to rephrase that. I don't I don't dislike him, okay, right? Um, that's a little bit better. And, you know, like I have no interest in hanging out with him and smoking a blunt with a dude or bringing him sailing or anything like that. But like Nathan just mentioned, so many of the people that we report on are so abhorrent that we have to talk about whether or not they're Nazis. He's really not that bad, okay? He may have some abhorrent views, which we'll get to pretty soon. But I don't have a sense that he's evil. I think I'm a good judge of that, right? I don't think he's like a evil dude. We know evil dudes in the far right. This I don't think he's evil. I think he's just brainwashed. I'm pretty sure he's been brainwashed by the Calvary Chapel cult, which uh, that's the well he was born into and raised by Calvary Chapel. Uh, you guys are familiar with Pastor Ken Graves, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the church that. Um, Sam's family goes to, is a splinter church, but in a positive way, almost like what they call church planting up in the Highlands, okay, Dover-Foxcroft area of Calvary Chapel. So he's very familiar with Ken Graves, and I actually say he kind of sounds a little, there's a little bit of Ken Graves in when he's preaching uh, his oratory stylings. He's like if Pastor Ken Graves and uh, Christo-fascist movie theater operator, and preacher John Linehan <laughs> got together and had a baby, right? So it's like the baby Jeez. of Ken Graves and John Linehan as a preacher, okay? <laughs> but, again, he's nowhere near as offensive as either one of those guys, though he is offensive, but he, he just doesn't sound like a real jerk. He's a, he sounds like an 18-year-old, right? Like an 18-year-old geeky, nice kid. I mean, he doesn't sound like uh, Nick Fuentes, Okay, so again, it's like, oh, the bar is quite low when we're saying, oh, he doesn't sound like Nick Fuentes. All right. So uh, one more thing before we return to the tape. Um, Remember when we started discussing this episode uh, a couple of weeks ago and we're like, one of you said something about the new vice chair is 18 years old. And I'm like, no, 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 he can't be the 18 year old. Uh, It must be his father. Uh, The reason why I said it at the time was because I was already aware of Sam. Because before the GOP chair election, I had stumbled across his podcast where he interviewed Joel stykus just like it was like two days before the committee vote. So I was already very familiar with Sam. I wouldn't say very familiar. I was familiar with Sam before he got this vice chairmanship. And the reason why I was saying no, it couldn't have been him is because not once during the half hour long interview with Joel stykus Did he ever mention any plans to run for vice chair? There's zero indication whatsoever. So when you guys kept saying it was an 18-year-old, I'm like, no, I think that's a mistake. So anyways, I was wrong. Yeah, it is the 18-year-old kid. And so I asked Sam uh, to tell us what inspired him to suddenly, out of the middle of nowhere, run for the vice chair seat.
3: And then for the vice chair race, we had four or five candidates, I think. And as I was figuring out who was running, at the time, I was the state committee man for uh, Piscataquis County. And personally, I didn't see a candidate that I, I really connected with, uh, Joel Stetkiss. I absolutely loved the stuff he was standing for, and I really saw some serious potential. So um, now Chairman Statkiss, I was thinking, hmm, if he and I worked together, we could bring some serious change to this party. Uh, so as I was figuring out who was running, there were, I think, four or five individuals, including Shane, the uh, incumbent vice chair. And I tapped our Piscataquis County chair on the on the leg and I said, nominate me. She looked at me like I had six heads. And I said, seriously, do it. <laughs> so within the next 60 seconds, she stood up and said, I nominate Sam Bridges for vice chair. And the guy next to her seconded it. And I think everybody had given their speeches. I was either the last one or the second to last one to give a speech. But I got up and my goal was to, I guess, relate with the audience and say, hey, our leadership might have great people, but we've had three consecutive election cycles of nothing but either mediocre wins or losses. We need some serious change. We need individuals who are on the younger side of things. I said, being young isn't my only qualification. But I can relate with younger voters and also reforming our social media outreaches so that we can actually at least somewhat fight against being canceled and somewhat at least try to reach young people. So whether that's being on TikTok or revitalizing our Facebook groups, uh, making Twitter a little bit more, uh, yes, you're going to have the tweets like Biden's lost touch with America, but also having Post that, I guess, show a little bit more positivity. Uh, both sides are very guilty of being extremely negative, And it would be nice to have some posts that says such and such Republican legislator did such and such. That would be nice to have. So having some more positivity, having outreaches to young people, uh, reforming our county meetings to once again bring young people in, have young people and older members of the party work together rather than having a serious divide. You know, a lot of people think there aren't any uh, young Republicans, it's actually quite a few of them. But they're doing it with groups like Turning Point, they're they're getting active with groups like Turning Point USA. And they're completely unaware of groups like the college Republicans and the Republican Party in general. So. That's a lot of words to say i basically got up there and said we need to work together we also need to change our social media tactics we need to change our campaign tactics unite the party and bring young people in uh and like i said there was that tension but it felt like healthy competition i think the first round of voting since there were quite a few of us running i missed the 50 plus percent plus one by one vote and then the second time around it was it was a pretty a pretty good vote, um, and I, I'm I'm honored to have that position because not every day an 18-year-old gets into that position. Um, I say that with humility. I, I really am honored to have that position, and I'm going to take it seriously and continue learning as I go.
1: It's hard to believe he's 18 years old until he said it again there at the end because he sounded like an old man in the middle there. <laughs> uh, all right, fellas, what do you think about the new vice chair and his inspiring tale of victory?
0: I mean, he's very eloquent, um, and I can see him going far in the Republican Party. Um, I still question whether young people are really <laughs> turning towards the Republican Party. I mean, if you look at the demographics, it's just a, a disaster for them. But you know, he's talking about like Turning Point USA. Like, really, that a lot of young people have in been involved in Turning Point USA. Like. They post memes that are like, oh, so your landlord is greedy because they jacked up your rent. As if maybe if he had income taxes, he could put aside some of that money and lower your rent. Like that's the kind of kind of stuff they put out. So I don't know. I mean, he 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 may go far as in the party, but I question whether his tactics will be successful
1: well that's fringe anyways turning point usa i mean i know they get a lot of publicity but they're 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 fringe among the teens uh and and 20 year olds uh nathan any thoughts on uh uh, the new vice chairs uh i guess uh origin story
4: yeah i mean he's definitely eloquent like andy said doesn't sound like he's 18 sounds closer to 50 or something but i just there's not, I mean, all the stuff he says about social media or whatever, I don't think there's any doubt that Republicans need to tap into younger folks in their voting base or to pull them into the Republican Party. But I don't think doing mini sermons on TikTok or doing long winded sermons on YouTube is really the way to go about that. I don't I don't think that's going to attract a Zoomer or get them excited about hopping on board for the Republican Party. Uh, I think, like Andy said, maybe this he has a bright future ahead of him. Uh, for his own gain because he's the only young person it seems like in these meetings. But, uh, yeah, nothing about that seems, um, seem nice in theory, I guess, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't envision a zoomer popping on TikTok and be like, wow, this 18 year old is giving a sermon. Yeah, this is for me. I think, yeah, that's the driving force. I mean, I think young people are much less inclined to, uh, Join a religious group or be affiliated with a religion in this day and age. And, you know, it's certainly not a, a super strong rallying cry. But hey, maybe that's not the case. I don't know. But, um, well,
1: well his numbers, his metrics for his own stuff, his TikTok, and stuff, they're not, they're not giant by any stretch. Right. And, but he's not wrong about a lot of the stuff that he says, but it doesn't matter that he's not wrong. I think it's a lost cause of a lot of things. But here, hold on, hold on. I got, I see. There's one thing he left out. He was called by God to serve as the vice chair. When I started looking over the GOP, I guess you would call the social media response to the 18-year-old taking the vice chairman's job, I stumbled across a couple of posts by John Linehan, the lunatic Ellsworth preacher, movie theater owner, and this other dude. And they, they claimed that Sam told them, uh, and this is a quote that Sam said, according to these guys what they post on uh, in these groups when the names were being read for who was running i felt god calling me to do it okay so he neglected that that little point there right <laughs> Oof. so i asked him about it i think it was he that posted that god called you to this role that god came to you and said to you uh, you need to be vice chair is that accurate
3: uh, I would say it was a, a personal conviction and confirmed by God. So I'm not going to say it was God came to me in a dream and it was thou shalt run for vice chair. It was actually, you know, I think a lot of people think God speaks in always these huge, profound ways. Yes, God can speak in those ways, but he also can speak in a lot more simple terms.
1: Okay, so I'm always wary of anyone uh, that claims to be <laughs> divinely inspired. Um <laughs> Uh, and remember what he told the christians was a little bit different than what we said he said "But when the names were being read he felt god calling him to it uh, fellas am i too sensitive when it comes to this kind of claim i mean i've never felt called by god to do anything
0: i mean these people have literal conversations with god about whether to like buy laundry detergent or whatever, don't they? (laughs) You know, like, should I buy Tide? And then Jesus comes down and like, no, thou shalt buy the store brand or something like, (laughs) you know, they they strongly believe that they're having regular conversations with God. And it was interesting how he put it there where he was like, it's a personal conviction and confirmed by God. So, I mean I kind of feel like he was being more honest there. Where most of these people are talking about having literal conversations with God in which case I think they have some sort of schizoaffective disorder. Yeah,
1: okay. Okay.
0: Um, where he's just saying, "No, I I wanted to do it and then I just felt like God, yeah, God God wanted that
1: too." So that's is that's that's a, like a uh just a a feeling of well-being, a confirmation that he's doing the right thing is the God coming in yeah. almost. I I can understand that. Nathan, any thoughts about divine inspiration?
4: You know, I don't have a huge problem with it. Just with something like this, it just comes off as what he feels like he should say or dogmatic. And it's not the odd thing for this or any of these religious folks, whether he's 18 or 50 running for office and claiming God told them to do so, is that there's no follow up of uh, what God told them to do aside from run. It's not to help the poor or the unhoused or the sick uh, or your neighbor, even for that matter. It's just God told me I needed to achieve personal gain uh, and run for office. So it's that's always, you know, it would have been it would have been a nice uh, caveat to tell him why God told him to run. Uh, Maybe maybe that will be in his next follow up conversation with God. We'll
1: see. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I said, this interview went on for two hours and forty minutes, and that's a, that's a long interview. Um, and the funny thing is, Sam wanted to run the interview on his podcast channel too. Like we were doing this like really long uh TikTok duo, right? You know, it's like what the kids like to do.
0: <laughs> like he wanted to twitch stream it, maybe?
1: Yeah, it's like uh he wanted both of our pictures up on the screen. And it was like a a back and forth. So I said, sure, dude, if you want to do that. And, uh, but it turns out, since the interview is two hours and 40 minutes, he decided against it because, you know, our, I gotta admit, our freewheeling conversation really didn't fit his format. And as you hear what else we talk about, it it really doesn't serve his cause. So uh, again, as you can imagine, I've told you what his media diet is like and his upbringing and his education and his church. He, he spews off the right wing and disinfo talking points like he's channeling Ben Shapiro, right? It's like everything from Black Lives Matter destroying cities across America to, you know, the need for voter ID uh, or to bring God back into the schools or making God mainstream. That's one of his sayings or having Christians decide the morality and legality of other people's lives. So basically, he believes uh, in a theocracy, right? And he proudly claims, (laughs) get this, he proudly claims to be a Christian nationalist, (laughs) and he believes that America is a Christian nation. Uh, So it's no surprise he's vehemently anti-choice when it comes to abortion. And as I mentioned before, he doesn't believe in same-sex marriage.
3: On a public policy level, you know, if you want to look at the the party stance, there's a general consensus that we have to water down our party platform in order to win. Guess what? We've been watering it down for a while, especially here in Maine. So I hold those values, of traditional marriage. I mean, in Genesis, right in the beginning, Adam was blessed with a woman not another man, you know? So I, I look at it. Yes, I hold those religious values and I will be as loving to those people that don't hold those values, but I'm also going to be open with them. They may not be popular,
1: but I will be open. He sounds like uh, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> the actor. Like, it's, it's, it's like, and another thing. Um, yeah. But he's totally, I mean, here's the thing. He's telling the truth. He's telling us what he believes, right? He's he's very honest about it. So yeah. at least we know what he stands for. Any thoughts on the vice chair's same-sex marriage stance?
0: Well, what I think is interesting is that this is just an example of how all of the kind of chamber of commerce, business, you know, country club conservatives have been driven out of the main GOP. Um, unless they're, you know, total chuds. Um, And what's replaced it is just Christian nationalism. So now they could just like freely just espouse those views and call for policies that would, you know, create some kind of theocracy in Maine and not really be challenged on it anymore. Like he's talking about how they had to water down their platform and all this other stuff. And so now I shudder to think what the next platform is going to look like. I mean, during this whole thing, when he's getting elected, like Susan Collins uh, has a representative on the board of the Republican State Committee. And so, like, there's been a lot of talk about in the grassroots about trying to cut Susan Collins out. And a lot of the, you know, the, the, the mainstream conservatives and people who work for the party are like, no, don't do that, you know? You know, they want to replace her with somebody like this kid.
1: Yeah, Sam doesn't um, like Susan Collins.
0: No, no, they hate
1: her. He was a fan of LePage, but he dissed LePage for uh not milking abortion issues more.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and and so I what what's interesting is this past election really brought those people to the forefront because for a number of years they weren't talking about gay marriage, and then all of a sudden this last election and and still they're talking about oh, uh, you know. Gay groomers and all this other stuff and t- anti-trans stuff and it's and it's back with a vengeance. Like I haven't heard anything about how tax cuts stimulate growth.
1: Right. No. 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 No discussion of like balanced budgets anymore. Right. Yeah, it's like, budget. I remember like we, the the debate used to be like
0: we need tort we, reform.
1: <laughs> Nathan, thoughts about uh, the, the fellow same-sex marriage stance?
4: Yeah, it's always shocking to me. Well, knowing that he's eighteen, that. I just don't know how young men or women for that matter get to these beliefs so young in life. And especially for conservatives of these mainstream conservatives, Chamber of Commerce folks, individual liberty lovers, just to sit by and essentially just watch the evaporation of the separation of church and state before their eyes and just kind of dance along and be like, Well, you know, as long as we hate the gays or whatever, I guess we're all on the same
1: page. So it's just Yeah, it's so regressive. Lots of grooming going on. Grooming. They're groomed. I hate to say it. Grooming is brainwashing. Yeah. And again, it's like this church, the school, the family. I mean, all these are mitigating factors because they're also the the evangelical Christians are in their own world, right? They don't consume the mass media. He doesn't listen to regular rap or very little. He listened to, I I didn't know what it stood for when I was listening to him talk about music with another uh, friend of his but it's Christian rap. I, I I gotta be honest. I didn't even know Christian rap existed. Right. I'm connected oh, yeah. <laughs> to that scene. So he's like into Christian rap and you know, he he's not into the, uh, the bad stuff.
0: Last go about left right. behind. That's pretty, uh, you know, there's a new antichrist movie. I think that.
1: Yeah. Probably- yeah. He's definitely into Kirk Cameron. Kevin Sorba. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's all that. <laughs> well, I'm just going to repeat what he said in that last quote there quote. Uh, and I will be as loving to people who don't hold these values right? Which sounds nice. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Yes, which sounds nice, but it's probably not really how he was acting in real life. Okay, you guys remember in episode one of Disinfomaniacs when I went kind of hard on that main millionaire inspired by Matt Walsh to launch the (laughs) anti-trans referendum? Remember, I was kind of mean to him, right? Yeah. I didn't want to be mean to this kid, right? Like, I mean, he's a young fella, and I was kind of hoping maybe he wasn't as indoctrinated, perhaps, as the millionaire, and that maybe he could see the light if I didn't yell at him, if I was a little more gentle. But the month before he won the vice chair, he launched a pretty, I guess the word would be offensive offensive against the Center Theater, which is a great theater and nearby Dover Foxcroft. Okay. It's a it's really the cultural center of they've done a lot of great events over the years. They show awesome movies, screenings, very charitable, totally on our side. Uh, you know, they have a really, really positive bent about them. And the Center Theater was hosting an eighteen plus drag show featuring the delicious drag divas, a drag <laughs> troupe from Bangor. Okay, so it's eighteen plus, it's in April. And at the theater, and there'd be a bar, I guess, a cash bar. You have to be 21 plus, but everything over 18. And, of course, uh, even though it's over 18, drag shows uh, bring out the worst, Chuds, and the worst in Chuds. So, that includes, it appears, my new pal, Sam. All right, Nathan, um, I sent you a link. Could you read the Facebook post that the vice chair made, via his podcast uh, the bridges page and now this was before he was the vice chair
4: sam posts df stands for dover foxcroft i propose a new meeting df drag free the fact that center theater is willing to endorse this type of behavior is sickening all businesses that sponsor center theater should withdraw funding from them immediately any individual who has purchased tickets from them should obtain a refund and go to bangor instead Join the bridge today to fight against the sickening ideologies that are accepted as inclusive delicious drag divas have no place in dover foxcroft and it is sad that our local theater is willing to give them a home so
1: that's what he has to say
4: about uh the divas the drag divas coming to dover foxcroft
1: yeah and one of the things i brought up uh frequently in this conversation was like I thought these Republican shots were all about, like, my freedoms, my freedoms, my freedoms. And it's like, it's for their freedoms. But the drag queens and uh, the people who love drag queens don't have those same freedoms, right? I mean, it's it's a contradiction (laughs) in in their philosophy. But
0: they get upset by rainbows, you know, like whenever they see rainbows now.
1: The queers stole the rainbow from God. That's actually a legitimate argument.
0: Yeah. They'll see rainbows in like, you know, kindergarten teacher's classroom and have a meltdown about it. You know, a lot of these people remind me of like the people from Footloose, you know, trying to shut down drag. (laughs) The dance. The devil.
1: But the thing is, he wasn't just spouting off on his own Facebook page. Uh, That was his podcast Facebook page that Nathan just read. And along with some other local chuds, they started a Facebook group um, to cause trouble for the theater and for the drag show. And for some reason, Sam was compelled to visit other posts about the drag show, and he posted messages like this one I'm going to ask Andy to read here. Could you read the comment that he made on the Center Theater's post about the event?
0: Yeah, he called on God to smite them. Uh delicious <laughs> drag divas. I am praying that God's people will do his will.
1: Right? Doesn't that sound like smiting, Nathan? Oh, does yeah. that sound like he wants some smiting? He wants some serious smiting for sure.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he's gonna read like the Samuel Jackson speech from Pulp Fiction, you know, when he goes and cacks that guy.
1: Sam would insist we're 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 misinterpreting his words. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, and again, I mean, this is a kid who's been brainwashed, but again, I call them on it. Don't worry. I call them on it frequently. I obviously wasn't the only one that called him on it. Let me play you another little clip here.
3: I had some people come to me that I respect quite a bit. They were able to give me some assistance on messaging. And so I realized, okay, yes, I, I was vocal, and we actually changed a lot of our rhetoric because I realized, oh, that kind of had a guns-a-blazing approach. And so we actually changed a lot of our rhetoric because I realized, oh, that di- you're right, that didn't necessarily have a serious loving tone. And so we changed it to, okay, let's actually try to reach out to these people and be loving. So I agree that was not presented in such a loving manner. And our goal was to once again spread love and reach out to these people and make people aware of what was happening. And so with a lot of the people we reached out to and a lot of the people we talked to, we realized, oh, there's a chance here to minister. So we, we changed our messaging, and we all got kind of convicted, of, all let right, right, let's, let's slow this down, be loving, reach out to these people, give a place where these people can be vocal, and make sure we're doing this in a way that reflects true Christian principles. So I will agree with you. Our original presentation could have been better, and that's actually one of the reasons I mentioned earlier that we learned quite a bit from this time around. So let's say something like this happens again. We'll be able to have much more of a, I guess you could say, a more methodical, well thought out approach of, hey, we don't agree with the <clears throat> position these individuals hold.
1: Any reactions?
4: Yeah. God told him he needs to stop the drag divas from going to Dover Foxcroft. It needs to be drag free. God told him this. It's just all, I don't know. It, it's, he says in one moment that he needs to spread love, but hey, if people show up and they know this is happening and they bring guns, which happens in a lot of these cases, well, we we tried. We we saw a chance to minister. So, yeah, God must have told him this, but it's just uh it doesn't it doesn't ring too sincere for me. Uh and that paints a lot of his other comments in a pretty unsincere way. So, yeah. I hear you. I
1: hear you on that. I I want to ask you something though. I, I'm I'm wondering if I don't know this, what I'm about to say, but I'm wondering if he's actually insulated from the idea uh, that there's not from the idea, from the fact that there's an increase in violence against uh, trans people and that it's, we've seen it in statistics. We know that's happening. And when I said that to him, he, he honestly didn't seem aware that there was more violence against uh, trans people. That doesn't defend anything I'm sa- he's saying. I'm just saying, these these guys are kind of clueless. He's an eighteen year old boy who really isn't aware of the world.
4: Mm, I think he's aware of it to enough. If he is, if he knows people like Jordan Peterson or Andrew Tate, and he's hanging out, and he has the interest in the first place to even go to a Republican Party meeting at this point in his life, I think he's he's in touch with all of this. And I think you can just kind of layer it behind. Well. We wanted to spread love. We wanted to minister. We wanted to, the same thing you said before, I don't agree with those people. And if they're thrown in jail, I'm going to go visit them during visitation hours and tell them a sermon about love. It's just, if you're not converting to what they feel is the way that you should live a principled life, then you're doing it wrong. And that's the furthest you could get from a loving, compassionate view for any anybody. So I don't buy it.
1: I wonder if I'm just being too soft on him because I know he doesn't like Hitler.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying, but that's what I had said before. It's just, the bar is so low that they say, even the mention that they may have some empathy for someone, which is just supposed to be at the core of a value system of a Christian. uh, They just don't, I just don't, I think it's a cop-out a lot of times. Uh, They're a principled Christian, but they're also encouraging people to go, um, physically enforce in a lot of cases or inflict violence onto folks, which definitely rings true in those first statements we had read about Stetkis supposed to be some commander of God, uh, in this holy war or whatever. I mean, I think it's much more that than, uh, it is. We just want to minister and we want to love it just no. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't let him cop out anything, even if he is a kid. Uh, yeah, it's, um, not on a good path from what you can see here.
0: This is such a, a a a fad, uh, you know, a moral panic fad that's going on here. We've had drag shows in Maine forever. I mean, I've been to drag shows at the Belfast VFW hall, you know, and drag has always been like a very popular form of comedy. I mean, watch any British comedy, it's just all drag. And, you know, I used to watch MASH with my dad, you know, the big part of it was Clinger dressing up in drag. And all of a sudden, they've ascribed that dressing up in women's clothing, there's some people are somehow getting a sexual kink out of it.
1: But I tried to t- explain to him that Shakespeare and uh, many of Shakespeare's plays back in the day, the actors that played the female characters for men and he he stared at me like I was crazy like was...
0: <laughs> it's so weird though because it never like when I was growing up like it was just it was it was because this whole fear of transgender people that they don't know the difference between a drag queen and somebody who's transgender
1: right uh, another thing I kept on asking him about this and time and time again he would he would say his problem with the drag shows that he was worried about the slippery slope and i always hate that argument for a false slippery slope <laughs> argument it's like the worst one it's like the it's like the weakest argument and secondly he claimed that um without any proof that drag shows for adults would somehow lead to drag shows for kids and dover foxtrot so i kept on asking him proof and while we're talking he just kept on googling you know because he has a separate laptop there he's googling and he's reading top entries Well, i don't know what he googled it would be like uh problems with kids at drag shows right so he's just reading them off and and it's i hate that cuz i'm very prepared for this and he's just like he doesn't have the depth to have a a rejoinder to these the question about it right so he's just like he reads something from fox news and then he and he reads this piece from the magazine reason the libertarian magazine right and he reads me the headline like it's just a fact and he goes the fight over kids at drag shows is a classic moral panic wait <laughs> right eddie you just said it right he said the fight over kids at drag shows is a classic moral panic that's the headline and the reason and he keeps on reading from the piece and i suddenly realized like, yeah he doesn't wow. know what a moral panic Ooh. is <laughs> exactly he thinks that means that we need to panic yeah. morally over something, right? It's saying the exact opposite of what he was hoping to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so just one more thing. His upbringing and his you know, Christian education, and I'm saying this as someone who went to 12 years of Catholic school, okay? So I feel like I understand religious education and the anti-science aspect of religious education. More than the the person that went to public school. So I would say his Christian education shows that he has kind of like a lack of critical thinking skills, right? Like he's, he mindlessly repeats the stuff like BLM riots destroyed multiple American cities. He's convinced that Portland, Oregon was completely destroyed by Antifa. Right. Like he thinks it's gone. Just a crater. It's like, dude, that was like a two block area. It's like nothing it's a smoldering. <laughs> thing. Right. But he's like, Oh no, they destroyed the American cities. I'm like, what American cities did they destroy? You know, <laughs> and like all this violence. And so, and then, but the disinformation trickle down the spread thing is even more than just the, you know, BLM stuff or public health. Okay. So, He believes COVID vaccine is dangerous. And you can see this on one of his podcasts. He claims that two doses of uh, the COVID vaccine, the second one, when he took the booster, not the booster, the second shot, it triggered an epileptic seizure. And Now, to be clear, he's epileptic, but he hadn't had a seizure in a couple of years. But he insisted that the vaccine caused the seizure and you know so you know there's zero data i want to be clear about this no data no evidence supporting any claims that the vaccine could be harmful to epileptics could trigger seizures there's nothing about that okay but you know i watched all sam's videos and tiktoks beforehand and he's always drinking a very large coffee like sometimes it's like a large coffee from dunks sometimes like it's a big mug sometimes uh He's even having, he has a Moxie soda and a coffee going during the interview. So he'll have like two big beverages. He actually has a (laughs) little fridge on his, in his uh, uh, pod studio that has like cans of Moxie in it. So he's drinking Moxie. He's drinking coffee all the time. Uh, He doesn't mix the Moxie and coffee together. He drinks them separately. He's just got them going like one's a chaser or something. So anyways, uh, before our conversation, because I noticed that he drinks a lot of coffee, I did some research on seizures and caffeine, and it turns out like four just regular-sized coffees is enough to trigger a seizure in an epileptic. And so so, I, so I said, hey, Sam, you know, I should you drink lots of coffee. How much coffee do you drink a day? He's like, oh, I drink like three or four cups of coffee every day, and they're big ones. And then moxie? Oh, yeah, I love my moxie. And then I said, well, you know, I saw your thing about the vaccine and stuff, but I did the research, and that the excessive caffeine intake it's probably the cause of your seizure, right? And he's like, no way. because other people tried tell me that too, but no way. It wasn't the caffeine? No way. I know. I, it was the vaccine, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's <laughs> never going to be changing that, right? I'm not I mean, he believes the vaccine. So his mom and dad vaxxed. he's he got both vaccines. He's not going to get it again. It's
0: really interesting because I I wouldn't have thought that he would have been vaxxed because the Christian Civic League and all those churches are so against vaccines. This
1: church is totally anti-vaxxed.
0: Yeah. And it seems like a real evangelical thing, you know, that, you know, the left behind people or the people who took the COVID shot or something and the smart people who are enlightened, uh, you know, who didn't get the shot and they're not, they're just waiting for everybody to die, basically.
4: Yeah. And the triggering seizure thing has been a trend on right-wing social media for at least the last couple of months. And I mean, there's videos where these people, they'll have the camera turned to them. You'll see their hand, because the camera's already on, to go reach to turn it on. Their hand isn't shaking at all. No seizures, anything. They're totally fine. And when they hit the camera on, they start triggering a seizure. They can barely walk. They're... You know, it's it's all happening. Then you see, oh, hand steadies. They turn off the camera. So I love these videos.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's only a handful of them, though, because I looked into that uh, separately. There's like maybe six or seven really good ones. There may be more, but there's six or seven of the good. I saw one with somebody drinking like a Heineken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. And like when they're drinking the can, it shakes. And then they put it down and their hand stops shaking. So there's all these mock ones of like a guy. He's got a pipe in his hand. And he's like hitting the pipe; and his hands all shaky and stuff. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen that that trope of like the shaky Vax effect. Ah, it's just like he's he's not immune to that stuff, right? And 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 and, it, and it obviously fed because he did have a seizure. I'm not saying he didn't have a seizure, but I would say like probably had something to do with the caffeine. Uh, that's that's, but it's just, he's just anti science too in that way, right? It's like doesn't matter. Science doesn't matter. Studies don't matter.
0: Just listen to God. God will tell us what, what to do.
4: God is going to phone in soon enough, and he'll he'll figure it out. He'll have some sage advice. It's God, after all. He knows what to do.
1: Well, remember, they go to heaven, they get to marry Christ. So yeah, yeah. a couple more things here. And I know you think I'm I'm being easy on them, but I like to think that after our conversation, because I didn't beat him to a pulp, right, that maybe it seemed like it worked a little bit. Like, maybe... Sam did soften up a little bit, okay? Because after a bunch of prodding, and I mean a bunch, right? He said he'd probably be willing to apologize to the drag performers for inciting the mob on them, okay? But he wasn't going to he probably wouldn't apologize to the Center Theater people for insulting them cuz he doesn't like them, but he he'd be he's thinking about apologizing. And then we had this conversation and he's like, "Well, maybe" I could interview one of the drag performers on his podcast. He's like, I could have him on the podcast, so I encourage that because I think we're in agreement. One of the best ways for people to draw prejudice is to meet the people that they don't like. Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm thinking if he does a podcast with one of the people from the troupe, it might be a breakthrough, even if it's you know Zoom to Zoom as opposed to face to face. So I think I'm going to follow up on that and see if he follows through with that. And then in another attempt to deprogram him, right, from this anti-gay, anti-trans religious programming, I offered to buy him a ticket to the show at the Center Theater in April when the Divas are scheduled to perform. And I said, provided you behave himself, right, and he promised he would, because I want him to see that it's, it's like entertainment. It's like song and dance. Like he thinks it's like a live sex show or something going on in there. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, I just think if he goes in there and I said, you know, as a journalist, you should go in there. Cause he's got this podcast. You want to be experiential. You want to see this. You don't want to rely on Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro to tell you what to think about this. And he seemed a little bit open to that. And I, so I said, okay, I'm going to get you this ticket. I'm going to get you this ticket. Several times I said that to him. And so I think he's open to the idea. And I I could possibly even harass him into it because now we're friends, right? And we're friends on Facebook even.
0: Wow. Hmm.
1: But here's the funny bit, okay? I said, I'll get you the ticket. Uh, yeah, Yeah, I'll get you a ticket. But I won't be able to get him a ticket for the actual date that he was protesting because guess what all 264 seats at the theater for that first show is sold out. Oh damn.
0: <laughs> see his advertising worked.
1: Yeah. Luckily, the Center Theater is adding a second show because it turns out that the people of Dover Foxcroft really want to see drag shows. <laughs>
0: Wow, that was a surprise ending. I wasn't expecting that.
4: Yeah, hopefully he goes. I hope he goes and sees that it's a performance. It's
1: performance art. And just hope, hopefully he can check that out. I, I think that he is not totally lost yet, right? Like there's some things we're probably not going to get him back on. Uh, but, but then again, many times uh, young people who are raised in cults uh, are able to extricate themselves when they're exposed to the real world. And he's been very insulated. And I think that's another reason why I'm not going to like punch him up or punch him in the head is because I I sympathize with him. I I feel bad that he didn't have the same sort of childhood that I know the three of us had, right? Like he wasn't fooling around with girls and he wasn't doing drugs and he wasn't drinking. He wasn't partying. He wasn't in bands. He wasn't you know, going crazy. He's been doing, like, Bible study, going to work out, and um, go to McDonald's. They go to McDonald's a lot up there, right? Because there's not much else to do. He does have a girlfriend, but... but he
0: still has he plenty of time to do all that. Yeah. There's,
4: <laughs> it could be a path re- there could be a path to... There could be a path to redemption for Sam. We'll have to wait and see, but he's young, and I think there should be paths for change for people, so... I hope he goes to the drag show. I hope he interviews a drag queen on a show and I hope he uh, makes up his own mind about these things and he could make up his mind that it's all satanic and terrible, but you know, uh, at least he's thinking for himself. I suppose
1: any last thoughts on the actual impact of having Sam and Joel at the helm of the main Republican party.
0: I think Joel is going to be the one running the show. you know, he's, he's going to be the one that tells everybody what to do. I don't know how much the vice chair actually does. Um And Joel is a, uh, is a pretty nasty guy, but he's also not that bright. So I'm not worried about
4: him. Yeah, this is definitely the far right faction of the GOP taking over the full GOP, which has just happened over the last few years, not only in Maine, but just nationally. Like Andy said, though, I'm not sure how popular any of this stuff is or actually resonates with anyone that have real material issues with their lives. So I don't, we'll see if any of this actually hits home for folks. It certainly didn't in the LePage election, that whole cycle, if it's nationalized, like the national stuff trickles down, but maybe a not so bright of a future ahead for Sam and Joel and the Maine GOP.
1: The Bad Doctor from Maine.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Christian Northrup, an OBGYN physician and authority on everything that can go right with your body. Speaking of pantomime, uh, that's the word Charlie Ward uses. I'll, I'll be meeting him at the Clay Clark thing. I posted earlier, I think, uh, if I didn't, I'll go back and look, the trailer for Mickey Willis's. Latest pandemic movie, and what he said, what has tanked every movement he's ever been in, is infiltration, and backbiting, and uh, you know, just having our human unity compromised. So, I've seen this uh, in in the Christian community, um, you know, where if you're, you know, if you have a crystal and that's satanic or if you use a tarot card that's satanic it's like oh come on people by your fruits you shall know them so pay attention to the people that you are drawn to and that you know you can trust over the last three years i have uh, found that the wheat has been indeed separated from the chaff
1: Thank you for listening. Help us out by subscribing and rating and reviewing wherever you listen. Also, you can help us by sharing on your socials and telling other humans about our show. If you want to further support ad-free independent journalism, visit CrashBerry.com for details. For instance, for just 5 bucks a month, you get bonus content, a sticker, and a signed book. Again, visit CrashBerry.com to learn more. Next time on The Crash Program, we'll be speaking to Grammy Award-winning songwriter and main rock and roll icon, and my very good friend, Dave Gutter. I guarantee this will be a conversation you won't want to miss.
0: He's big and strong,
1: he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny.